Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. We are part of the Built in Buffalo Podcasting Network. Uh, you can find us on all the major social media platforms, and you can find us, you can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Gross underscore. Well, happy victory Wednesday to the Mafia. Uh, a complete game, I think, from the Bills, a complete blowout. Probably the best game uh, that the Bills have played this year, a 45-17 to 17, uh, destruction of the New York Jets. A lot of stuff to get into with this game, so let's get right into it, starting with uh, the offense. The offense looked really good. Um, a few a few miscues in the, in the beginning, I guess, and the offense really kind of brought back some stuff that I... I don't want to say I had forgotten about it. It, it kind of slips your mind, and it was something very important, I think, from last year. And that's those jet sweeps with Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Dawson Knox was back, and I just think it was the Bills really went back to a lot of their roots uh, and what made them successful in 2020. And it wasn't even just Isaiah McKenzie, obviously Emmanuel uh, Sanders. Had an end around, um, you know. They brought in more speed with Matt Breida, and they did a lot of those misdirection things that I think were really important last year. And I think they were important for Josh Allen evaluating the defense in terms of whether it was man or zone. But also, it just was kind of who they were. I think, and I think that was, you know, it opened up maybe some RPO stuff for the Bills. Even though, you know, Josh Allen, I don't think rushed at all um, on Sunday really anything to speak of, but it really opens things up having those plays in there. I know Sean McDermott said that he wants to be two-dimensional, and sometimes I think we're guilty of just viewing the running backs as the rushing part of the offense, and we kind of forget that there's other ways that you can rush the ball, whether it's on the jet sweeps, with Josh Allen, things like that. So I think it was good to see the Bills you know, get about 140 rushing yards and uh really just get back to their roots I guess and I and I understand why Isaiah McKenzie hasn't been in that role yet I think they really wanted to give him you know some time to get used to the punt return duties I don't think that even though he's done it a little bit it's been a while since he did it I think they wanted him to focus just on that in practice and not have, uh, you know, and just not have him worry about having to run routes, any of that stuff, or, or the jet the jet motion stuff. And I think it's an important part of the offense that was missing. Uh, now you throw in Dawson Knox, and I know that Dawson Knox only had one catch, but I think people overlook, too, kind of Dawson Knox's ability uh, in the blocking game. I think he's a, obviously a better blocker than Tommy Sweeney. And I think that that certainly helps the offense. But before we go any further, kind of the main thing that I think obviously led me to predict a 16-13 to Jets win this week, which obviously I was wrong about, very happy to be wrong in those situations, was the uncertainty with the offensive line. And obviously Spencer Brown was back, and it had a big impact on the line. Now I still think that left guard is poopy, 
<laughs> let's say it that way. And Ike Bucker is, you know, an average starter, I guess, maybe. I still think he's better than John Feliciano. But it's amazing what Spencer Brown does for the other side of the offensive line. When he's in a tackle, you've got obviously got Darrell Williams moving to guard. I think that's very important. And my prediction of, you know, like I said, the Jets winning is that I was just basing that simply on what had happened the week before, what I had saw, and what the team looks like with a really pretty bad offensive line without Spencer Brown in there. And obviously we we can't tell the future. You know, there was speculation that Brown would be back, but you never know for sure. You never know how these things are going to go. Obviously no one expected the Jaguars or the Steelers or whoever to beat the Bills. But it's a little alarming in a way, though, isn't it? Like you don't want, I don't think you want one guy to uh, affect the play of the offensive line that much. What happens if he goes down again for four or five weeks? What do you what do you do? And I don't want obviously no one wants him to get hurt. But what if he does get hurt? Like that's kind of my point. And we can't worry about that. I understand, but I guess I'm just saying what's the what's the plan if he gets hurt? <laughs> because they look terrible without him. So if you look terrible without this guy, you know, hope isn't really a plan, right? So what are we going to do? I'm not sure, but it had to be a very rewarding game for the offense. Uh, For Sean McDermott, the most complete game that the Buffalo Bills have played. Four rushing touchdowns, uh, two passing touchdowns by Josh Allen. Uh, 366 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, 21 of 28. That's basically a uh, 70. It is a 75 percent completion percentage, which uh, is is very good. Obviously, if you're talking traditional completion percentage, and this this game, you know, looked easy. And I know the NFL is hard. I'm not saying the NFL isn't hard, but a team like the Bills, who's a Super Bowl contender or supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, you're supposed to make these games look easy. Now I'm not saying you should be up by, you know, 45 to 3 with, you know, 12 minutes or 14 minutes left in the game, but these games should look easy. And I guess that was like my main problem with the Bills up until now is that they didn't really make anything look really easy. Even that shutout against, you know, the the Dolphins uh, wasn't the easiest looking thing ever, but the rushing game really excelled. A complete game. You had Singletary with 43 yards and a touchdown. Brita with 28 yards and a touchdown. Moss with 27 yards and a touchdown. McKenzie 17 yards and a touchdown. And obviously, like I said, the the two touchdowns from Josh Allen, 366 yards. Really a a, a great performance from Allen. An MVP performance from Allen and. Even in the passing game, again, they got into what we would consider sort of the nuts and bolts of what made this offense go. Uh, Stephon Diggs, eight receptions, 162 yards, one touchdown. Obviously a focus to get him involved. Maybe the most focus they've had to get him involved all game, or all season, excuse me. And obviously he was the focal point of the whole offense last year, so... Good to see that. Uh, Gabe Davis, three receptions for 105 yards. Uh, Using the best wide receiver four in the league, the way that he's supposed to be used, had an incredible catch along the sideline. Just just a fantastic catch. And that's what Gabe Davis does best. Everyone wants... Everyone thinks that he's a top two wide receiver and he's going to blossom into this this great all-around player. And I don't think that's the case. But... 
he is one of the best players in the league right now in terms of playing around the boundary. His body control, his ability, his awareness is really out top five in the league, uh, just off the top of my head, I would say. So having Gabe Davis kind of get back to what he was doing, Emmanuel Sanders had a quiet day, two catches with 27 yards. Breida, uh, three catches, 22 yards, a touchdown. Dawson Knox, one catch for 17 yards. Beasley, another quiet day, uh, two catches, 15 yards. McKenzie had a catch, Singletary had a catch. You know, this was the, the Stephon Diggs show, obviously. You know, I think Knox... I think Knox's hand is is good enough to play, but not good enough to really be a super focal point. Plus, they were focusing on digs. But, you know, Knox being on the field opens up stuff in the passing game as well. I think he's kind of that security blanket. He's also that kind of big play guy, right? Like, he's only had three or four catches in each of the games before he got hurt. But they were all kind of big catches. They were all like 15, 20-yard catches. Really important. We're scoring a touchdown in every game. So I think the threat of Knox also was very important. And this is kind of what you wanted to see too, right, from Matt Breida, like bring some speed to the table. Uh, Very astute by him to keep his route going on that touchdown and just kind of go to the end zone and trust that that Josh Allen was going to find him. Excellent work by Matt Breida there. Uh, We'll have to see what the Bills do. The roster was really a bit weird this week. (laughs) A lot of guys active that normally wouldn't be active with a lot of guys on the COVID list and a lot of guys injured kind of. And, you know, Breed is a guy that, you know, you see this performance and you, and you don't really want them to, to put him back on the bench. You want to find a way. I don't know if they can find a way for all four of those running backs plus Reggie Gilliam to, to be um, active. I, I don't know how they're going to do that, but that's obviously their problem, not our problem. And, of course, we we really can't. I don't want to gloss over the production that the defense had, man. The defense, obviously, it's the Jets, and I don't know how many qualifiers we really want to we want to put in there. But Mike White is not it. Uh, I don't think Zach Wilson would have fared any better. But the Mike White experience is certainly over. Uh, the 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 Jets ran into a legit defense last week. It showed. Obviously, uh, the four interceptions from Wallace, Johnson, White, Poyer, um, you know, a lot of opportunistic plays, I I would guess. A lot of balls that were just kind of thrown to the defensive backs. Um, They really were able to sit back and kind of read routes, jump routes. Um, But like I said, there were also balls that were just thrown right to them. And this is a game where I think the pass rush really made a difference in terms of that, I think Ed Oliver, this is probably Ed Oliver's best game of his career. If not, it's certainly in the top two or three games. I felt like he really affected the game. He was dominant. We saw maybe his most consistent effort in terms of becoming a pro and really almost affecting the game on every play. He was just everywhere. Uh, you know, you had a guy... Like Obata, I don't know how you can you can scratch F.A. Obata after the performance that he had. Not quite as dominant as Ed Oliver, but F.A. Obata showed. He, I think he was like the top ten, like the tenth rated pass rusher from the defensive interior last year. And the guy's been sitting on the bench for the Buffalo Bills. I I, I feel like they've got to find a way to keep F.A. Obata in the lineup. 
he's just too tremendous inside outside guy um got a sack i believe i know a, a couple pressures just a great like a, a great day really um for him a great day for Ed Oliver um i thought Harrison Phillips acquitted himself pretty well he's a guy at the beginning of the year that i was afraid for him that he wasn't going to get a contract extension um, at the end of the year, I felt this was sort of like a make-or-break year for Harrison Phillips, and I think he's been okay, like maybe um, you know average or something. But stepping in for Star, who was on the COVID list, Harrison Phillips was fantastic uh, working in that rotation. I, you know, maybe he's not going to show up on the the score sheet too much, but if you watch the game, you notice him. He certainly took a step um, towards proving. That they should continue to have him on the roster at the you know going forward after this year, and that maybe maybe he can take over Star's role if, if Star decides to retire this year. We don't know that for sure, obviously. So that was just you know just a great all around effort from them. I think the amount of pressures that the Bills got was pretty was pretty ridiculous, and that obviously affected the back end. I think AJ Klein had a really good game. AJ Klein is not a guy who we have noted in the past for his ability to to play in coverage and that's kind of Tremaine Edmonds' job, right? Like like Tremaine Edmonds' job obviously is to play in coverage and, and then obviously kind of be the, the head, you know, tackler, if you will, the guy who's flowing to the ball. And AJ Klein has really been more of a a blitzer, a, you know, kind of like pressure guy. So to see AJ Klein step into uh, Tremaine Edmonds' role and acquit himself what I would consider to be admirably. I was really enthused um, about that. I think depth, the linebacker depth, even though they have a lot of linebackers, most of them are special teams guys. So to see him to be able to come into that role and really excel um, for a game is something that I think is important for the defense going forward in case of injury, um, all that stuff. I know Boogie Basham played, but I, I didn't notice him too much. Um you know, same thing with a guy like Dane Jackson. I think Levi Wallace continued to prove why um, he's in that role. I don't know if he'll keep that role next year or if maybe, you know, they, they give Dane Jackson or, or, you know, if Levi Wallace maybe gets priced out a little bit because of his contract because some other team is offering him some money. But, you know, it's tough to find things to really nitpick here. Um you know, on this Bills team, like I said, where you're winning the game like 45 to 3 with like 14 minutes to go, it's hard to find anything that you really didn't like. Obviously, uh, Matt Breida's fumble is something I didn't like. I still think, you know, Matt Hawk is a pretty terrible punter. <laughs> um, but obviously, like, it, which has been said ad nauseum by lots of other podcasts, is is they signed him for his ability to be a holder on field goals, and I guess they just don't really care about the punting. I guess they feel like they're going to score so many points that they're not going to punt that much. So who really cares if the punter's terrible? I guess is really what they're going for, and they figure with Tyler Bass's uh, ability to hit long field goals that chances are, coupled with that and with the Bills' ability to score touchdowns, like I said, not going to be that many um, opportunities to punt, and I sure hope not because Matt Hawk sucks. Um, and I haven't even done his draft value score, and I know that he sucks. So, but like I said, he's a good holder. I guess that's what's most important. 
So looking forward to next week, I think next week against the Colts is a bit of a tricky game. I don't know if Carson Wentz is a better quarterback or a worse quarterback than Phillip Rivers, but I do know that the Buffalo Bills barely beat the Indianapolis Colts last year in the playoffs. I think the Colts are another one of those teams that does think the things the Colts do well are the things the Bills are weak against. The Colts have a great running game. They have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. Those are all issues for the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills are a little weak against the run. The Buffalo Bills' offensive line isn't fantastic, and their defensive line is good, but I'm not sure that they've gone up against an offensive line quite as good as the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Obviously, Carson Wentz is a bit of an enigma. We're not really sure what we're going to get from him, and they don't have the flashiest of playmakers both on the wide receiver side and in maybe the defensive secondary, but playoff team from last year the only thing that really changed a lot I think is the quarterback spot Um, like I said I think they have a very underrated defensive line I really like their defensive line and I think Ike Butker is really going to be tested I think Mitch Morse is really going to be tested and I think a guy like Ed Oliver is going to be tested you know if if you're a fan of uh, the line of scrimmage play offensive line against defensive line you've got Ed Oliver obviously the Bills sort of rising star on the defensive interior against Quentin Nelson from the Colts, one of the maybe the best offensive guard in football. So that's going to be something exciting uh, if you're you're into sort of the more intricate parts of the game. If you um, you know take your eye off the football as the book is entitled and and look at some other stuff, I think that's going to be a really good battle in there. The, those two against each other, and I think this game is really just going to come down to um, how how the Colts can you know affect. Josh Allen or whether or not they can affect Josh Allen and how the Bills defend the run. Uh, this is a tough matchup for the Bills. I don't I mean I think the Bills can win. I think they probably will win, but I think this is going to be another one of those games that people are expecting, you know, to win by a couple touchdowns or win by 12 points and I don't think it's going to be that way. I think it's going to be a close game. I think that this is one of the best offenses that the defense has seen. I understand that the defense is playing well. Um, They've been playing well against relatively poor teams, obviously, except Kansas City and Tennessee. So I hope this can continue. I think this is a similar challenge to Tennessee, um, but I think this team has a better defense. So I think this is going to be a much bigger challenge than a lot of fans are willing to sort of admit or give them credit for because the Colts' record doesn't look fantastic. But they have a great coach in Frank Reich. Um, uh, I think that they're they're well coached. They they play hard. And I, I guess the last thing I'll say, just in general, and this is about la- last week's game against the Jets. And I guess this has to be said because there's been so much controversy um, this year. But I didn't have any problem with the officiating. I thought the officiating was fine. If we can get the officiating that we had last week in the Bills-Jets game every game, I'll, I'll be fine with it. I don't have any problem with that. I think they were professional. I think they did a good job. You know, every game there's one or two penalties that you're kind of like, eh, that was a little, or hey, they missed one, or hey, they called one that should have been called. But overall, I think this is probably the best officiating um, that has happened in a Buffalo Bills game. And certainly... Um, you know, give. I don't even know like why I have to say this, but gives gives me hope that hopefully the Bills will run into this this officiating crew again because I think they were pretty good. I think they were pretty consistent, 
And, um, you know, no one's complaining about the officiating on Twitter this week, which means that basically everybody agrees with me, which is exciting. And that's how it should be. The officials are there to call obvious penalties, things that affect the game, and then they're there to just not call the other stuff. Um, And I think that the referees did a good job. So I know I've been talking for like three minutes about officiating, which is something I don't usually do, but I wanted to certainly point out the fact um, that I thought that it was fine. With that said, I am, uh, appreciate you guys joining me. I hope you will check out all that Built in Buffalo has to offer. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Check out the YouTube channel. Check out the podcasting network. And until next time, Bills Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset, and as always, trust the process.